This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Question. Did he kick you? Answer. Yes. Question. Where did he kick you? Answer. On my right chin. Question. Did he try to burn you with a cigarette? Answer. Yes. Question. Did you have a cigarette burn on your face after the incident? Answer, yes, in my left eye. Question, at some point, did the mayor swing a fireplace log at you? Answer, yes. This is a transcript of grand jury testimony from a victim of a brutal assault, an assault committed by the mayor of Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, that's right, the mayor a mayor in his ninth year in office, a mayor named Vincent Buddy Cianci. Good evening. A statewide grand jury has indicted Providence Mayor Vincent Cianci on charges including extortion, kidnapping, and assault. The mayor of a major American city kidnapping and torturing a guy. Weirder still is what happened next. Buddy ran again, and he won. You know, he was a gentleman. Besides his faults, you know, everybody has faults. Buddy Cianci died earlier this year. His body was laid out in City Hall, and people here lined up to pay their respects. He did so much for this city, and we all love him, and we're all going to miss him. There was, there was nothing wrong with what this guy did. I believe that he just loved problems too much, so he fell into this hole that usually politicians fall into when you love something too much. Buddy did love the city in his own way, but his shortcomings went well beyond one little incident of torture and kidnapping. There were criminal investigations, accusations of corruption, drug scandals, even a five-year prison sentence. But we'll get to that later. The question now is, why so much love for such a flawed man? Well, for people here, Buddy's faults weren't all that shocking. Because the thing you gotta know about Providence the city that Buddy ruled for more than 20 years, it was a mob town. There was New York, there was Chicago, and then there was this little city in the smallest state in the Union, the third largest Cosa Nostra in the country. This is Albert Baraducci. He grew up in Providence at a time when organized crime was a daily part of life. You could see someone getting shaken down. Yeah. I mean, you knew. You got somebody by the cop banging again, you know, two guys looking the other way. But that was the way life was back then. There was no two ways about it. I mean, it was accepted. 
no one, not a politician or a priest, not a bishop or a bus driver, should ever be defined solely by their faults. At Buddy's funeral, the church is packed with people from his past. Cops, politicians, and judges sit shoulder to shoulder with crooks and ex-cons. They all grew up together, attended school together, went to each other's weddings and funerals. That those in public office may promote justice and peace while continuing the work of our brother, Mayor Vincent A. Cianci, Jr., let us pray. Lord, in your divine providence, hear our prayer. I'm Mark Smerling. And I'm Zach Stewart-Pontier. You're listening to Crime Town, a new series in partnership with Gimlet Media. Every season will investigate the culture of crime in a different American city. First up, the story of Buddy Cianci and the city that made him, Providence, Rhode Island. It's a story of alliances and betrayals, of heists and stings, of crooked cops and honest mobsters. A story about how organized crime corrupted an entire city. A story where you can never quite tell the good guys from the bad guys. Welcome to Crime Town. See, we get two governments in this country. We get the United States government and we get the government of crime. There's two objectives, I think, is to get the money and don't get caught getting the money. <laughs> A lot of things are done that shouldn't be done, but they're done. That's the way the city of Bronx is run. Got to learn that corruption was a part of the culture here. We hit him with this two-by-four, burnt his eyelashes off with a cigarette, told the kid he was going to cut his head off. I don't think they understood how deep the corruption ran. My name is Buddy Cianci, and I'm the mayor of Providence. As you know, I've been indicted by federal prosecutors. I assure you that I'm not guilty of these charges. They're based on self-serving statements of criminals. Your husband beat you up, filed for divorce, and now the FBI kicked in your doors. What are you going to do now? I said, well, I guess I'm not going to Disney. I made this fucking state more money. I gave this state more fame. I loved coming back here. I loved being in Rhode Island. Everybody's got some crazy shit going on. Well, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me. This is one of the few free speeches I've given in the past few years. <laughs> we appreciate it. They called me and they asked me, do you believe in free speech? I said, of course. They said, well, you're giving one. <laughs> this is a recording of Buddy Cianci at the end of his career at an event to promote his autobiography just a few years before he died. He's bald, stocky, with bags under his eyes. Life has worn him down a bit, but he's still the same old buddy. He laughs at himself cracks jokes, works the crowd, and tells funny stories about starting out as a young prosecutor. Well, I used to be in charge of the organized crime division for the attorney general, and my entertainment was I would listen to the wiretaps at night. <laughs> there was a bookmaking operation going on, and, and so I was listening to the tapes, and this one woman is saying to the other woman, do you know, my boyfriend said that these phones might be tapped. And she said, don't worry, my boyfriend told me what to say if the cops come. <laughs> the other one said, what's that? And she said, 
My boyfriend told me to plead the fifth commandment. <laughs> this time that Buddy's reminiscing about, more than 40 years ago, that's when our story begins. Buddy is fresh out of law school, younger and thinner, with a lot more hair. He's just beginning his new job as an assistant attorney general, and a case lands on his desk, a case that will launch his career and put him head-to-head -head with the most notorious mob boss in the country. It's a murder case. April 20th, 1968. A car pulls up to Pannone's Meat Market. Two men, Pro Lerner and Bobby Fairbrothers, sit up front, wearing masks. Pro Lerner had a double-barrel 12-gauge shotgun, and Bobby Fairbrothers had a Springfield rifle. That's former Providence Police Detective Robert Stevenson. The gunmen get out of the car and cross the street. Inside the market are the targets. Two wise guys, Rudy Marfio and Anthony Millay. When Lerner came in with a double-barrel shotgun, shot uh, Marfio first. Bobby Fairbrothers got so scared he shot into the floor. And Pro Lerner stepped over to the next aisle and shot and killed Malay. And out they went. The masks and the guns and everything, they dumped down on Comerford Street, down on the freight yards. Marfio and Malay lay dead on the ground, and their murder case was assigned to a young prosecutor named Buddy Cianci. Detective Stevenson and Buddy joined forces and started talking to witnesses. But despite there being several other people in the market, no one saw a thing, and the investigation stalled. Then, a break in the case. Buddy got a call from a prison in Massachusetts. A witness was talking about the murders. The witness was Red Kelly. He was a witness who changed over from being a, uh, a mafia-type guy over to us. Red Kelly was a big-time crook, serving a long sentence, and he wanted to make a deal. He told investigators that he'd hired the hitmen who killed Marfio and Malay. And he said one other thing. He hadn't acted alone. He'd planned the murders on the orders of Raymond L.S. Patriarca. Who's Raymond Patriarca? Well, he's a key part of our story. The crime and corruption that plagues Providence all goes back to him. And he conducted his business from a rundown storefront filled with dusty cigarette machines and arcade games. It was called the Coinomatic. What was this? This was a Coinomatic. So this had been a coin vending store, but actually the uh, headquarters of New England organized crime. Dan Barry is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who's written a lot about Providence. So you would see, Raymond would sit here in, a, in like a lawn chair, yeah. and he'd have white socks, and he just looked like an old man with a cigar, and he would wave to people, and the cops would wave to him, and everyone knew he was watching everything. From his lawn chair, Patriarcha ruled over a kingdom of crime that extended across the country. He was a silent partner in Las Vegas casinos with Frank Sinatra. Whitey Bulger, maybe you've heard of him? 
even he had a kick up to Raymond Patriarca. And if you ran a card game or a prostitution ring or a numbers racket pretty much anywhere in New England, a portion of your profits went to the boss. I don't care what you did. You want to go break somebody's window, you, you've got to get permission from Raymond. Again, Albert Baraducci, who grew up not far from the Coinomatic in Providence's Italian neighborhood, Federal Hill. Raymond was no chump. He was no chump. That's his business. That's, that was the key word. That's his business. That's his business. I own the streets. I own all the illicit activities. I'm the one who built it. I'm the one who started it. This is my money, not yours. This just happens to be organized crime, and people don't get fired. They get fired at. And according to Red Kelly, the witness, that's what happened at Pannone's Meat Market to Rudy Marfio and Anthony Millay. Here's Detective Stevenson. Rudolph Marfio had these crap games going and card games going on the weekends up on Federal Hill. Raymond wanted these guys knocked off because they were interfering with his, with his gambling activities. On the basis of Red Kelly's story, Patriarca was charged as an accessory to murder. And Buddy Cianci couldn't wait to prosecute the case. It was personal for him. This is Buddy out to dinner with a co-author of his autobiography. See, as an Italian-American, I, I totally, I totally, 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 totally resented the fact that organized crime brought upon my people, people who were my heritage, people I came from, the stereotype of everybody being a crook and everybody being a murderer and everybody being a, uh, a criminal. On the first day of trial, crowds gathered outside the courthouse, hoping to catch a glimpse of the notorious mob boss, Raymond Patriarca. He had ruled the city for almost 20 years, and now Buddy and the prosecution had a chance to put him away for life. State troopers with shotguns stood guard as Red Kelly was called to the stand. Patriarca sat behind the defense table, glaring at him. Detective Stevenson remembers that day. John Red Kelly told him this whole story. Kelly and Raymond had met in front of the Gaslight restaurant. And Raymond says, I want them son of a bitches killed. Mafia in Milan. Kelly's testimony against Patriarca was damning. It seemed open and shut. Buddy and the prosecution rested their case. But then Detective Stevenson stepped out into the hall and ran into Patriarca's son, Raymond Jr. Uh, young Raymond Patriarca Jr. said to me out in the hallway, will you see the witness uh, that we've got coming in? I says, what, another one of your lineup of liars? <laughs> he said, you'll see. That surprise witness, after the break. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Before the break, Buddy Sancy and the prosecution put a witness on the stand named Red Kelly. He testified that he met with Raymond Patriarch at the Gaslight Restaurant to plan the murders of Rudy Marfio and Anthony Millay. Things are looking bad for Patriarcha, but now it's the defense's turn, and they have a witness of their own. Here's Buddy again, talking at an event for his autobiography. The defense calls their first witness, and the first witness is a priest with a collar. His name is Father Raymond Moriarty. He hugs Patriarcha, and then he gets on the stand. What's your name? <laughs> Father Raymond Moriarty, where are you from? Oxon Hill, Maryland. What do you do? I'm the pastor of St. Timothy's Church. Where were you on that day, on the day that Patriarch was supposed to be playing him? Oh, I was with Mr. Patriarcha. <laughs> well, his wife had died, and I came up to visit, go visit the gravestone at the Gate of Heaven Cemetery, and I blessed the stone. Well, the 12 Catholics on the jury make the sign of the cross. <laughs> This is not good for Buddy. Providence is heavily Catholic, and now the jury is faced with a simple choice. Believe Father Moriarty, the priest in the collar, that Patriarch was at the cemetery blessing his wife's grave. Or believe Red Kelly, the convicted felon, that Patriarch was at the Gaslight restaurant ordering the hit. Buddy and Stevenson fly to Maryland to check out Father Moriarty's story. Tick-tock on the clock. And they race to the church. Went into the church with the, with the Monsignor. They gave us the records. And there was the priest on that day that he was supposed to be with Patriarcha baptizing a baby. Father Moriarty performed a baptism on a baby by the name of Stacy Lynn Densford. On that day, I said to myself, aha. <laughs> the next step is to talk to Stacy Lynn's family to verify the date of her baptism. But when they arrive, Buddy sees two men waiting on the porch. Some familiar faces. We went from the church right to the house of these people had the, that had their kids baptized on that day. And who's on the fucking porch? But Patriarch's son and Joey One-Arm, who's a mobster. Actually, it wasn't Joey One-Arm. It was another wise guy, Joe Badway. That's literally his name. But the point is, Patriarch wanted to send a message to Stacy Lynn's family. We've got an eye on you. Because they thought one step ahead, and they knew I was coming down. It was common knowledge that I was going to Maryland that, that afternoon. But they were on a goddamn porch of the house. I'll never forget it as long as how the fuck are they here in this house? Detective Stevenson and a couple federal marshals share a few choice words with Raymond Jr. And the marshals told him in no uncertain terms to screw. I said, put your ass in your hand and get the hell out of here. When they go inside, Stacy Lynn's mother has a present for them. She says, I've got a picture of Father Moriarty 
when we, he baptized Stacy Lynn. I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, it's a color Polaroid picture. She says, I'll show it to you. And here's Father Moriarty holding the baby, and the mother and father on each side dated April 6, 1968. The same date, Father Moriarty told the jury he was with Patriarcha blessing his wife's grave. Patriarcha's alibi is shredded. Buddy and Stevenson grab the family, the priest, and the Polaroid and head off to catch a plane back to Providence. Who should be at the airport but Raymond Jr. and his sidekick? Turns out, they're all on the same flight home. The plane levels off at about 35,000 or whatever, and I look back up the aisle and there's Raymond Petriaca Jr. and they kept looking down. And I kept looking back up, and they kept looking down. So about the third or fourth time, I give him the finger when I turn around. <laughs> when they land at Providence Airport, the press is waiting. cameras on the runway, you know, waiting for the plane to land, right? So I, I had to shave, nothing. So I go, I bring him to the Attorney General's office, all kinds of cops around, I bring him in. The court was going to start in like 20 minutes. All rise, court's in session. So Father Moriarty goes back on the stand. Turns out he's not exactly an impartial witness. He and Patriarcha go way back. They were childhood friends. And now, the priest has to admit that he was not in Providence with Patriarcha on the date in question. And he said, uh, I don't know. He says, I must have made a mistake. And he wouldn't admit to anything other than the fact that him and Raymond Patriarcha Sr. were childhood sweethearts. Father Moriarty steps down, and the jury begins deliberations. The jury returned to the fifth floor courtroom at 2.42 this afternoon. They had been deliberating since Friday afternoon. Before the verdict, Judge Eugene Gallant cautioned the spectators, most friends of the defendants, against any sporadic outbursts. A contingent of Providence police was brought in to bolster the already heavy security guard. When the foreman announced the not guilty verdict, the gallery burst into brief applause. Not guilty. Not guilty? Not guilty. What happened? That's what the hell I'd like to know. The 63-year-old Patriarcha drooped in his chair a bit and then briefly cried. How did Patriarcha get off when it was so obvious the priest had lied? One answer is that Patriarcha's lawyers had done a good job poking holes in the testimony of Buddy's key witness, Red Kelly. Here's Patriarcha's defense attorney. The turning point in the trial was Kelly's testimony. Having cross-examined him at length, he completely changed his testimony particularly as to the most important dates. Remember the Gaslight Restaurant, where Kelly claimed to have met with Patriarcha to plan the murders? It had been closed at the time, due to a fire. But there may be another explanation for why Patriarcha got off, one that reminds us that Providence is a small city where everyone is connected. Detective Stevenson. One of the jurors 
knew someone that knew Petriarca. Okay. And uh, that person was a female and swung the jury the other way. At first they were going for a guilty verdict. She swayed them back the other way. And boy, we were devastated. We worked like a bastard on that thing. Here's the thing. A lot of people in Providence didn't think of Patriarca as such a bad guy. Like the people in the courtroom cheering. And guys from the neighborhood, like Albert Baraducci, who were not happy when Patriarca was arrested. People that I knew, they were outraged. How could you do that to him? He's a great guy. Raymond is a good man. Don't piss him off, (laughs) but he was a good man. He'd walk up and down Atwell's Avenue. He would talk to everybody. Anybody needed anything, they would get it. I'm not saying they would buy him houses or cars or anything else, but, I mean, you know, somebody was in need of a few bucks, he would make sure that, hey, you got a tank of oil or a food basket for Thanksgiving. He never hurt He took care of more people than he hurt. But not all Italian-Americans in Providence saw Patriarca as a good man. People like Vinny Vespia. He also grew up on Federal Hill. I met uh, Raymond Patriarca as a young boy. Uh, My dad knew him. There were times when I'd be walking with my father along Apples Avenue and uh, he'd stop and chat with Raymond. What amazed me is that uh, people said that he was so generous, uh, uh, they helped people out at Thanksgiving. Well, you know something, you help people out at Thanksgiving. You do, and I do, anybody would. I mean, but just because Raymond bought a turkey for, or five turkeys for five families, put him on a pedestal. Organized crime is given too much credit. You know, they're, they're merchants of fear. And if you come to their fear, then they know they own you. For people in Providence who felt the way Vinnie Vespia did, Buddy Cianci was a hero. Maybe he hadn't put Patriarca behind bars, but still, here was an Italian-American prosecutor unafraid to take on the mob. The Patriarca trial made Buddy famous. A picture of him and the priest ended up on the front page of the Providence Journal. The case even got its own nickname. They called it Father Alibi. And Buddy liked the attention, too. All that press got him thinking. What if he could be more than just an assistant attorney general? For advice, he turned to a friend, Vinny Vespia, the guy from Federal Hill who knew Patriarch as a kid. He wound up leaving the old neighborhood and becoming a cop. And he worked closely with Buddy. I was a younger detective, and uh, he used to grab all my cases. One night after the trial, Buddy and Vespia went out to dinner on Federal Hill at the old canteen. He says, you know, I, th- I think I'm going to run for mayor. Either that or I'm going to buy a boat. Well, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're either going to run for mayor or you're going to buy a boat. Where did you get this thought? So I'll never forget this because he took a pen out of his pocket. He cleared a couple of dishes. He drew a T right on the tablecloth. A white table that, that kind of offended me. What, the, you know. what does it cost for a slip? What does it cost for insurance? What does it cost for a captain? What does it cost for the crew? All right, that's one side of the, of the tea. The other side of the tea, well, let's talk about running for mayor. 
Then you got to have a manager. You got to got to have advertising. You know, you got to have a campaign, radio time, television time. So, added up both sides. It was cheaper to run for mayor. I announce my candidacy for mayor of the city of Providence. Providence is essentially two hills on either side of a river. On one side is Federal Hill, Patriarcha's domain. The other bank is the east side. It's where Brown University is, where the doctors and lawyers and professionals live. Between these two hills is City Hall. In running for mayor, Buddy was putting himself right in the middle of the struggle for the soul of this city. Buddy wanted to clean up the city, but would he change Providence, or would Providence change him? My buddy and I were uh, best friends, really, really close. He stood up for me when I got married. I stood up for him when he got married. He was an honest. In those days, he was an honest person. Uh, he was a dedicated prosecutor, a very good prosecutor. It's, it's a shame that what happened to him. For Buddy, who in baptism was given the pledge of eternal life, that he may now be admitted to the company of the saints, let us pray. Lord, Lord in your divine, divine providence, providence, hear our prayer. Next time on Crime Town, we'll go deep into the patriarchal crime family and tell you what it takes to become a wise guy. In that day, being a wise guy was the coolest fucking thing on the planet. There was nothing cooler. Movie stars wanted to be around them. Crime Town is me, Mark Smerling, and Zach Stewart Pontier. We are produced by Mike Plunkett and Drew Nellis. Additional producing by Austin Mitchell. We are edited by Alex Bloomberg and Caitlin Kenny. Fact checking by Mick Rouse. This episode of Crime Town was mixed by Matthew Bowl. Sound design and scoring by Matthew Bowl. Our title track is Run to Your Mama by Goat. Shout out to David Jacobson for telling us about that song. Original music by John Cusiak, Kenny Cusiak, John Ivins, Edwin, and Beanard. Our ad music is Matthew Bolt. Additional sound design by Ted Robinson at Silver Sound. Additional mixing by Enoch Kim. Ale LaRue is our design director, and Kate Parkinson Morgan is our digital editor. Alex Bloomberg is the podfather. Thanks for your patience and guidance, Alex. Please don't fire at us. This season of Crime Town is dedicated to the memory of Zachary Malinowski. We miss you, Bill. Thanks to the Providence Journal, the Rhode Island Historical Society, Brad Turquetta, and the Ciency Estate. Paul Campbell, Damiano Marchetti, Jesse Rudoy, Julie Haymans, Emily Wiedemann, Dr. Marianne Stewart, Dan Barry, Mike Stanton, check out his book, The Prince of Providence, Wayne Miller, Mary Murphy, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Providence is a special place, and we are honored to tell part of its story. Mm -hmm.